and Becoming Christ-like right here on Blog Talk Radio and the Road Less Traveled. Mm-hmm. It's Good Friday. It is Good Friday. Exciting <sighs> time of year. It is an exciting time of it's year. It's kind of a difference of me of being happy and sad all at the same time. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, you know, you, you go through Christ's death and that's horrible. I mean, it's just so painful, but yet so happy in the end. That, <laughs> I, know. I know exactly what you're talking oh. about. It is Good Friday, and uh, you can find us, and you can find all of our shows. Uh, you can get a hold of us. You can you can listen to old shows if you go to bemorechristlike.com, www.bemorechristlike.com. You can find us on our mobile page at M, M as in mobile, bemorechristlike.com. You can follow us on our uh, Facebook at Becoming Christlike. Mm-hmm. And then you can go to the massively, <laughs> massively. Uh, I'm shutting po- my phone off. <laughs> popular uh, Twitter <laughs> at Christlike Today, and you were saying the other day that it went absolutely nuts. So yes, from I think Saudi Arabia. So welcome everybody. <laughs> welcome to the Saudis. Yeah. So yeah, it was really weird because you called me and said. I don't know what's going on. I can't read any of it. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yes, find us on Twitter. Follow us on all of our social media. Before the show went on, we were having a little bit of problem with um, our uh, our mics popping and cracking a little bit. It is a Friday. <laughs> Typical for a Friday, right? Okay, Pat says, I'm here, but I'm hearing absolutely nothing. Uh-oh. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound good at all. It could be. We don't know. Jimbo, pop on Blog Talk Radio and see if you can hear anything. We're going to fix We're going to fix this. Anyway, uh, we're going to see if it's, if it's up and working. I'm not exactly sure why it wouldn't be. Everything in our studio would indicate that we are going out over the air. Uh, Jimbo can hear us, and so he is going to check Blog Talk Radio and find out if we are going out over the air. So we'll see. Yes. We will see if it's... I'm glad you're a good technical geek. Jimbo, you can hear us on Blog Talk Radio? Okay, could you type in uh, to Pat? Oh, I'm reconnecting the server. Hold on. I think I'm going down a little bit. Let me see if it's reconnecting the server. Maybe it's the windstorms that have caused some problems. It could be. Dang, what the heck is going on? It could be. (laughs) Oh, my. Pat's going crazy. Yeah, okay, I think I'm in. Uh, Let me see if I can. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm still up. I'm going to type. What should we pet? type to pat here we're here we're We're here and yeah (laughs) yeah oh i just touched my my mic there so it could be that we had a huge huge windstorm and um here in in la hunta well uh through the whole last evening yeah last evening i'll tell you it was zero visibility and just about stop and go it took um richard and deandra over an hour and a half to get home from lamar we came out of church last night from maundy thursday service and the visibility was just horrible yes 
just horrible. See, we're cracking like that again. So. I don't hear a crack. You don't hear? No. You didn't hear a crack. Mm-hmm. Okay. I heard a crack. There's a crack in your brain today. Maybe there. Maybe. Oh, I know what it is. I'm going in and out on my thing here. That's what it is. Golly, it's all kinds <laughs> of stuff today, isn't it? There, I can hear you. I can hear great. Now, now. you're good. Now okay, good. now you're good. Anyway, uh, it is Good Friday, mm-hmm. and uh, we're glad that you're here with us. Let's go ahead. I think we should just pray because we got all this stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good idea. Uh, Father God, we thank you for this time that we have together. We pray that you would just uh, uh, touch us as we as we discuss this book by James McDonald um, about our attitude. Father God, we thank you for this day, this Good Friday, even though it is the sadness in our hearts to know what Christ had to go through for us. Uh, we are looking forward to this Sunday and the resurrection of our Lord. So, Father God, be with us. Guide us in all that we say and do that you might be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, we're trying to get uh, Pat. Pat says, I just re-entered and still nothing. Hey, Jimbo, could you type into her and tell her that that you listen to us and we are we are up? So maybe it's something that has to do with her end of the deal. Like I said, there's a lot of uh, lot of stuff down trees everywhere. Saw a tree on a house, mm-hmm. uh, just like it was like the Wizard of Oz type of thing. Oh really? Yeah, wow. yeah. It was. It was. Well, and power was out in Los Animas last night. Oh, was it? Yes, there was power out. He just. But Pat said she was in, but Joe was out. So. Mm. I don't remember our power going out. Mine did not um, go out. Oh, she said she just got you now. Oh, good. Okay. Welcome, Pat. Hey, Pat. Glad how are you? Can you? Hear we it. were checking to see if everything was okay, and it's okay, Pat. If you're listening now, we wanted to let you know that that our mics are kind of going in and out. We've got a lot of wind, a lot of stuff over here, and I think we've we may have some trouble with the internet. So um, just let you know that if. Uh, oh, Pat was getting very frustrated. Come, you need to change your attitude, Pat. <laughs> We're talking about this book from James McDonald, Lord, Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. And throughout this book, we have been uh, checking our attitudes and then replacing them uh, with a better attitude, kind of based on the Israelites as they've gone through the the wilderness. And we are up to chapter 7, where we are going to replace a doubting attitude. To be honest with you, this is probably one of my hardest. Yeah. I didn't grow up in the faith, so right. um, it's very difficult for me to to have a strong... You know what I have noticed about this study? What? And I believe I say this every week. Every single yes. attitude that I either have to replace or what I replace it with, I struggle with. I, I absolutely. But I think this one is so critical because... Um, what we're going to replace it with is faith. Right. And I think faith is the foundation of the Christian belief. And so I think it's really, really important. And I think I missed the boat. <laughs> yeah, I I just, doubt is such a, plays a, such a big part in our faith. Yeah. That's the, and that's the strange thing about it. Mm-hmm. And every other bad attitude that we've seen so far is an outward attitude that you can recognize or is placed upon someone. Right. So it's very easy 
well, it's not very easy. If you're honest with yourself, it's easier to recognize. Well, this is really a vertical thing. Right. I mean, this is more with God than than anything we're doing with people and relationships. And I, like the critical is basically relationships. Right. And this is vertical. This is our relationship with God. Right. And I think that's why it is so hard for us to recognize because what we want to say is, yeah, I struggle, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? I don't doubt. But, you know, this one for me includes all those why me, why does this happen? Why did this bad thing take place? Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably one of the more major parts for me in this one. Right. And he always starts it with the say it in a sentence. And he says, those who make doubting their lifestyle will spend their lifetimes in the wilderness. Spiritual it, wilderness. It, the spiritual. That That's exactly right. And he always talks about different principles, but but he begins with these irrevocable promises. Mm-hmm. He says, let's get on the table some sample promises God's, God has made so we can push our definition of doubt a little further. And and he, before that, he he kind of defines it. He says, here's a fuller definition of it. He, he gives a, a couple of kind of small ones where he says, Doubt is the absence of faith. And then he says, here's a fuller definition. Doubt is a lack of confidence or assurance that God will keep his promises. Mm-hmm. Where does that take your mind to? Because I always go to Hebrew 11. Sure. And and here's here's one of the things that he talks about. For us to be able to change this attitude from doubt to faith, we have to know God's promises. Mm-hmm. And that's and then there can be con- some confusion there as well. Well, absolutely, because when I was thinking about him, we absolutely have to have discernment of God's word and know when He's talking to us individually and guiding us. Right. He said. He says doubt involves a settled and persistent choice to live within uncertainty. It's not the stubborn show me of Thomas that went looking for answers, but the steady, unresolved attitude of Jonah that said, in effect, I don't know, and I don't care. I don't believe, and nobody can change that. And I won't do it no matter what you say or do. Right. Yeah. Right. And so he gets into these ideas of what are some of the irrevocable promises God has promised to provide for us. He talks about in Philippians 4.19, it says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. In Christ Jesus. And the doubt is, no, maybe God won't provide for all my needs. Maybe I'll end up poor and even destitute. But can't you see how you can get doubt if you, we use this scenario one other time of a single mother. I know it. And how how can you not fall into doubt? But I, I think the real test is that you always go back to God and you always trust and he always delivers. I, you know what I think, and and this is, and I've lived through this is there? I think there's stages to it. I agree. There's this idea of, I know, and I read here in Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. <sighs> and so I, I know that I believe the Bible, and if Scripture says it and if God promises, it is so. Mm-hmm. That's one stage. That's a head Head knowledge. That's a head knowledge type of thing. I believe the Bible. Right. Then there is this heart, uh, I'm going to say boots on the ground, living it out, where 
the the true definition of what I believe my needs are God perhaps are not consistent with what God's needs are. Right. When that is contradicted, then you begin to say, wait a second, that doesn't match. This is terrible. My head says God will provide all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Why isn't that happening? So, there, there, And then when that doesn't match up, the doubt begins. And the counter to that is thy will be done and I'll be happy regardless. Right. I, but but it doesn't mean you stop listening or trying or stepping out in faith. And, that's the road fear. that's the road less traveled. Yes. The road more frequently traveled is this descent from I know God will supply all my needs. My needs aren't being met. I, I am going to be poor and destitute. Mm-hmm. If, like then, the then if that is, if 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 that's real, if this is true, Philippians is really true. Then the next step is, why would God want me to be poor and destitute? And then it's either there is no God, or what kind of God is this that I have? Yes. And that's where the spiral of of doubt comes in. Then you begin to say, maybe there isn't a God. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're all just this cosmic dust that came from the the the, the miry clay and the slip slippy ooze and all of that. Or it's where rationalization comes in, and you try to take parts you want to hear and not hear out of the Bible. Right. That that's exactly right. And so that is one. So, but the next step then is to finish your thought that Thy will be done, and right. I will be content whether I'm a base or I'm a bound. Right. It, it, exactly. And that that of course then is that is that at some point in time, there has to be something that stops that descent, mm-hmm. that descent down to this doubt and and inevitably rejection of of God's promises, because. Sometimes it doesn't become, sometimes his promises don't become uh, avenues for rejection. They become avenues for confusion. Uh, yes. yes. Of God's going to supply my needs. My needs aren't being met. Okay, maybe I need to reevaluate what my needs true are. needs are. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough, tough thing uh, to do. And so it, it, just like with the whole idea of God has promised to protect us, Isaiah fifty four seventeen says, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. God promises to protect you, is what James McDonald says, against uh, anything or any intent on, on your harm, but maybe he won't protect me. You think maybe something awful is going to happen to me. That, that's doubt. Okay. Bad things happen. Yeah. Sometimes Again, it's not. There's doubt. And sometimes it's not God's fault, though. It's fallen people's fault. A child dies in a car accident mm. because of a drunken driver. Death and shippers. Yeah. And and the first thing is. Why? What does that verse mean? Where's the protection there? And so again, we have to reevaluate. Then what does that mean? Is that protect my my mortal body, my immortal soul? What what is that? Because all of these things, doubt and confusion, are bedmates. I mean, they're they're just 
they they go hand in hand with each other, and all of these things uh, go together. He says, God has also promised to prosper us, and holy moly, that one is the worst. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And again, that goes back to the whole idea of providing for us. Not only that, but but he he said that you know what, you're going to prosper. But and that I, and that's a huge thing for for doubt. I think there's a another key word in here. It says your life will not lack one single thing that could increase your happiness. You will walk if you walk uprightly with the Lord. And we don't know what our happiness would be if we had something. So it's increase it. So God knows whether it would have an impact on us or, or whether it would not. Or yeah, that's exactly right. Or if we were truly walking upright with God, would the things that are important to us change? In other words, I, I look and say, golly, I sure yeah. would like to have some money in the bank. Right. I sure would like to have some money in the bank. I just, just this give is, you something this else to grumble about. <laughs> if I'm truly walking upright with the Lord, is that still going to be then something of importance to me? Mm-hmm. And so I think it is that I think it's that one thing that says if we have all that we want, and I think this is what we think in society. If I have all that I want, I will be in a better mindset to walk uprightly with the Lord. Instead of saying, walk upright, upright uh, with the Lord, and then the things that I have will be good enough. Will be good enough, right. That's difficult. Very. To make that switch. Mm-hmm. Because, because, because Philippians said that he promised to provide for me. He promised to protect me. He promised to prosper me. And again, we've talked about that a number of times, that whole idea of of the, the, the gospel of prosperity. Yeah. Um, and I Name think, it and claim it. Yeah, I think this is, uh, that's where they switch it. It's the whole idea of send me this and pray for uh, and, and pray for it and you'll get it. Instead of saying, get right with God and what you have will be good be enough. Good enough. Right, and I'm, I'll be the first one to say I, it's hard for me. It's, well, that's the difference between eternal world and living here on Earth. That's right. That's the difference between the two lives that we choose to go between. Yeah, that 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 is exactly right. You know, I'm going to give a shout out and a plug to to Pat's uh, show on Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. We have literally speaking uh, with Patty Sheen and. The guests that come on are just oh, fabulous. just fabulous authors and and individuals who are working in in different areas. She had we had one on a couple of weeks ago, Halo. Oh, I love Halo. And Halo uh, um, has written a book called uh, what is it? Uh, Halo. Halo found hope. hope. Yeah, uh, I think is is what it. Uh, and she had a brain tumor and talked about all those things. But the one thing that I've noticed about individuals, and especially those people who have come on, who have gone through these traumatic things, just their love of God and their love of life and how their priorities yeah. changed once, not so much from the fact of, oh, my gosh, I almost died. Mm-hmm. Just from the fact of, oh my gosh, I'm so in love with God, and then the perception of what was important yeah. changed. 
uh, living on those promises. And I think that when you go through a really tough trial like that, it makes it much more relevant. You know, you think of Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it, it just, I wouldn't want to go with what they went through to get that mindset, though, right. I think. He talks about uh, Numbers 13, takes us back, not the number 13, but Numbers 13, <laughs> takes us back to the children of Israel, Israel, poised between the promised land and the wasteland. That's where we spend most of our time. I think so. As Andy Andrews says, either in a crisis, out of a crisis, or going into going a into crisis. One. Absolutely. In their experience, we can find five specific principles that show us how God deals with doubt and why he causes life to become parched to those who persist in this attitude of doubt. He talks about this first principle. God places regular tests of faith before his children. I hate that, but he does it. Mm-hmm. He he really does. He says he tests, places regular tests of faith in front of his children. These are not intended for our failure, but for our success. And yet, most of the time, we live in an attitude of failure. Mm-hmm. Of this is and and we cry out and say, "This is too hard. This is too much. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't do this." But when you have those tests, you get to see what's really in you. Or doubt, and God already knows that. So it's you who have to learn what's in you and where you need to grow. It's like a revealing, a refining process instead of something that's bad or mean. And I think one of the problems that we have when James McDonald's, and again, we're talking about the book uh, "Lord Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late," written by James McDonald, when he talks about being in in the zone of the promised land and the wasteland, I think one of the problems that we have so uh, prevalent in our lives is that we can't see the promised land. Mm-hmm. But the wasteland is always in in our midst. It's so easy to say, "This is where I'm at," instead of instead of concentrating on, "This is where God wants me to be," yeah. because we live in confusion of that. We can we live in an attitude of doubt even we when we are in the midst of our relationship with God. I know God wants me to be somewhere, but where is it? Where right? I doubt that God has a plan for me, even though I know God has a plan for me, and I know He wants me somewhere, but I doubt that I can see it. I doubt that I can hear God's word. What if I don't hear God's word? What That's if I, my favorite What one. if I get it wrong? What, right. if I, what if I'm not doing what... And you could actually be so intent uh, and intense on living out the gospel in your own life that you begin to doubt yourself and say, I'm not doing it good enough. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not... And so doubt even, cre- even creeps into the, the fervent believer. Mm-hmm. And so it's very hard for us to see that promised land. Um, we know well, that the, once you get in that dark, desolate land, it is really hard to get out. It's almost it just complicates us each other because one problem leads to another, and you just sink deeper in. I know, and it's just absolutely. And that's terrifying. why it's so important who you hang around with and sure. where you put your reading. Uh, priority ad right. in the Bible or the bad headlines in the news or whatever. Right. Because it is a scary, scary place to be. And then we begin to believe that God exists in the promised land and not in the wasteland. And I'm in the wasteland and therefore God is not with me. Mm-hmm. And that's doubt. Yes. That is doubt. 
And that Satan loves that one. He does. He, he can loves, use it. He loves doubt, even the seed of doubt that says, you know what? You're just not good enough. Sometimes I think that seed of doubt can go better than that mustard seed of faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. He talks about um, these different principles. Uh, principle two, and I'm on page 144, the circumstances of life will either shrink or or stretch your faith. And that's connected, obviously, to principle one. Of course. It's, uh, you know, there. here comes these tests of faith, and the circumstances of life will either shrink or stretch your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, it is inevitable. It is going to happen. Uh, and, and you have to deal with it when it comes. Mm-hmm. Because there is, and all of these principles are fertile soil for either the seed of doubt or that that mustard seed that you talked exactly, about. Exactly, exactly. So uh, I, I think how you see things, the perspective of how you see life is so important. And that, again, I just keep putting the pun in. If you don't read the word, you don't know how you're supposed to see it. Right. If you don't know the promises, if if you're if it isn't built on that word that right. says, I know God is in the midst of this, and so what? Where is He? What? Where are you? How? How am I going to do this? How am I going to get out of this? Um, where do you want me to be in this? And then going to the Word to find that answer, either through the Word or, or prayer or both. You just, you just don't know. We t- we talk about. We've just got a few minutes before we go to break. No other day of the year. Is there a day for doubt within Christianity oh, than this day? Than this day, Good Friday. Good oh, Friday. Oh, my goodness. It was a huge day of doubt. Yes. That says yesterday he was with us, and he was telling us about to love one another, and, and he shared bread with us and juice with us and his body and his blood, and and today he's on a cross. And not only for those who knew this was coming, although there weren't that many, but some, uh, you know, got the hints and found they the, got the hints. But that's not the same as living. But the it. general public, when they when they believed that their Messiah, the one who was going to to free them, to to set forth a new era, was defeated and hung on a cross. Yeah, because they could only see this life. Right. There. And the doubt creeped in, mm. not only to the, to those in the in the crowd, but to those who were close. To, well, the disciples to absolutely. Can you yeah. imagine being a disciple and saying, "Okay, now what? What yeah. am I supposed to?" And do? I was so sure. Yeah, I was so sure that that you were the one that you know. And if you want to say it, uh, you could it, the Judas effect. Uh, once again, there's a process time though mm-hmm. that they had to go through to get this right. And what they didn't realize was that they were looking, as they looked at Christ on the cross, they were looking at the promised land, but felt like they were living in the wasteland. Mm -hmm. It was over. So maybe we are living in the promised land and we don't even know it. And we don't even know it some of the times. I'm sure sure that it is. But Good Friday is it. And it's still a day of doubt for us. Of why did this happen? How could this happen? happen? Mm-hmm. How could this happen? And we're angered at the crowds who 
cheered him on Palm Sunday. I know. That always drove me nuts. MJ, a pastor at First Press La Hunta, did a sermon last week on Palm Sunday about us being upset at the crowd and not realizing that we are the crowd, that we are the people, that they were normal people, who, who, and, and that we are part of that crowd. That's right. And the thing is, though, is we have hindsight to see That's stuff. Right. And they did not have the hindsight that we have. That's right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue this discussion on Lord Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late, a book by James McDonald. We're talking about this attitude of doubt. So stay with us on the other side of the break. You're listening to Becoming Christlike right here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Hello to all of Derek's listeners. Thanks, Derek, for giving me time to share my heart's passion, encouraging cancer, long-term illness patients, and their families. Gilead is an outreach that encourages over 2,400 people in 38 states. Our goal is to bring hope and help to those on the journey through the unknowns of treatment, family stress, and spiritual questions. One such story is Eric, whose senior year in high school was interrupted by the cancer that he was diagnosed with, interrupting a three-sport high school year. It changed his life and his perspective. Today, Eric's family oversees a foundation helping to find a cure. We're currently in our 15th year. would love to have you as a partner, either as a volunteer or a gift financially. Look for us on Facebook at Gilead Ministries. How sweet and happy sing those days of which I dream when memory recalls them now and then. And with what rapture sweet my weary heart would be if I could hear my mother pray again. If I could hear my mother pray again, if I could only hear her tender voices then, how happy I would be, would mean so much to me, if I could hear my mother pray again. She used to pray that I on Jesus would rely, and always walk the shining gospel way. So trusting in his love, I seek that home above, where I shall meet my mother some sweet day. Within the old home place, her patient smiling face was always spreading comfort, hope, and cheer. And when she used to sing to her eternal king, it was a song the angels loved to hear. If I could hear my mother pray again, if I could only hear her tender voices, then how happy I would be would mean so much to me if I could hear my mother pray. The life crown has been won And she will be at rest with him above And some glad morning she I know will welcome me To that eternal home Of peace and love If I could hear My mother pray again If I could only hear her tender voices and what happy I 
Let drugs and alcohol threaten what you've worked so hard to achieve. This message is brought to you by Southeast Health Group, your local resource for drug and alcohol treatment. Call 1-800-511-5446 for more information about a safe and sober graduation. The mist from the morning dew, the sun peeks out over the horizon. A new day has dawned and a new chance presents itself, a chance to once again do battle. The lush green grass of the Midwest farmland lies in wait, guarded by the beaches filled with the sands of time after time after time. You unsheath your weapon of choice and lash out at the enemy before you, and for hours you navigate the landmines, cursing and praising in the same breath. But in the end, whether in victory or defeat, you vow to wake in the morning and do it all over again. Just four miles north of Marion, Indiana, lies a battlefield, A battlefield not just of bunkers and waters, but a battlefield of the mind. A battlefield where people come to discover the best in themselves, where courage is tested as each round of the enemy is faced. Arbor Trace Golf Course. Come play around. Because in golf, the more you play, the luckier you get. Welcome back to Becoming Christ-like on the Road Less Traveled, Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Becoming Christ-like right here on Blog Talk Radio and the Road Less Traveled. We're talking about doubt, doubt of all kinds, doubt from uh, James McDonald's book, Lord, Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. I'm Derek. Uh, I'm sitting here with my sister in Christ, Dawn. Jimbo's in the producer's booth. It is Good Friday, and uh, we are trying to replace an, a doubting attitude, uh, and I'm... I doubt that we'll be able to do that. <laughs> I, I kind of agree with that, yeah. not in totality anyway. So he's talking about these different principles, and of course the circumstances of life either shrink or stretch your faith. I think that's that's uh, inevitable. Mm-hmm. And he talks about in principle, principle three, doubt sees the obstacles, faith, faith sees the opportunity. Ooh, that goes with last week, with that critical mind bit. Yeah, it's... That's... It's absolutely true, uh, a little simplistic, I think, it, be, because it is kind of almost cliche-ish to say, of course that is, um, that, that doubt sees obstacles. And, and we know, uh, and, and you could probably say what kind of person you are. Uh, when you are thinking of a major project, it is always good to recognize what the obstacles might be. Sure, and I think that's uh, the wisdom that's imparted into you. Right. Doubt, though, says we can't get over those obstacles. We can't overcome that. This, there is no... There's no God in this to help us fight no, our battle. Exactly. Or guide us. Yeah. Or shine light where we need to go. If you want to say that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a glass half empty, I'm a glass half full... Whatever that that attitude that says can can we overcome the obstacles that are in front of us? And when we get to a point that we say no, we can't, or we get to a point that that we can't even say with God's help we can, mm-hmm. then we're doubt afraid begins. to step out in faith at that point to right. even take a chance of doing it. Right. And and as I said before, doubt and faith. It, there's a fine line 
between that razor thin. And you wouldn't think, you'd think that there was a huge chasm between there, but it really isn't because you can move from one to the other so quickly. Like in a matter of minutes yeah, almost, if yeah. you overthink it. Absolutely. And so there isn't this huge chasm that we have to overcome to think, okay, I'm in the category of faith. I'm safe from doubt. And it's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, principle four, he talks about, um, he see, he's talking about these doubts, seeing the obstacles. But he says, when surrounded by doubters, Doubting comes easily. It's easy to catch as a common cold. I absolutely do agree with this. Yeah. And it can go with all the other attitudes that we've been through. The critical attitudes, if you hang with criticals, it Mm -hmm. catches like the common cold too. But misery loves company. Yeah. And I think that those who are doubters enjoy being in the midst of those who doubt with them, especially if they are in agreement of the doubters. Well, birds of a feather flock together. I mean, that's pretty common. Yeah, that whole idea of when you're tackling a project, when you're going on with something, I want want to be with somebody of like mind. And so, oh, you don't think this is going to work either? Come be beside me. You don't think that, or or whatever. Um, And so, again, just like you said, with all these attitudes that we're supposed to replace, we need to really look at the people that we're hanging around. Do we hang around with doubters? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it feel good to be in the midst of doubters? And it's fine until those doubters turn on you exactly. and begin doubting what you're doing. Well, James McDonald made a comment in one of the things I was reading or listening to or whatever. And he said to say, I don't have ears for this. I don't, oh, that's a great, yeah, that's a great And line. I really like that because if somebody comes up and said, did you hear? And uh-huh. it throws in the doubt and this uh-huh. isn't going to work. You say, I don't have ears for this. I don't have it's ears not for fact. This. I don't have ears for it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want involved in it. And yeah. I like that line. That is a great line. Um, and he talks about how doubt, uh, when surrounded by doubters, doubting comes easily. And then he talks a little bit about why it comes so easily. <laughs> and he gives four reasons of why doubt comes so easily to people. And the first one is doubting is contagious. And it and it is. It really is. It is. Um doubting is passive. He says faith requires action, doubting doubting does not. Nobody ever wakes up in the morning and says, I bet today's going to be a great day of doubting. I'm going to doubt God all day today. Doubting is what takes over when you do nothing. And that's very interesting. Well, you know, God doesn't care if we fail. Try and fail. Right. He just cares that we focus on him. He doesn't care if we fail. Right. Give it a try. Yeah. And so when you're passive, you're sitting there doing nothing, and that's how you become more confused and fall deeper. Yeah. And it's something we teach our kids, and it's been going on in, uh, since memoriam, that that whole idea of your child says, I can't do it. And we always say the same. You never know unless you try. try it. You're never going to do it sitting there on the couch. That's right. And it really is that doubt. It's very easy to doubt yourself in the midst of doing nothing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because whatever you believe of that doubt is definitely coming true. We can't build this house. Well, not sitting on your butt. You can't, you know, you're right. It will, it becomes that exactly. self-fulfilling because, prophecy. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doubting satisfies our tendency towards self-protection. Nobody likes to be wrong. <laughs> 
What if we go all the way up into the land and we trust God for great victories and we don't get it? That is great. Because here's here's a strange thing how how this doubt thing can boomerang on you. And and follow my thinking if if that's at all possible because my thinking is is a, has a tendency to, to be a years. little bit, yeah yeah it's a little bit wacky. But well, I love it. That's why I'm here. I consider myself to have great faith. Um, I believe God calls me to do something. I I truly believe that that I'm I'm convicted. God has said it to me. I, I, I'm supposed to do this. And then I begin to think to myself, just like James McDonald says, what if I do this and it doesn't work? Then I begin to say to myself, that would indicate then to me that I didn't hear God, that I wasn't convicted, and that I might be proven wrong. That, or, or I believe that God, God will get us through this, and God doesn't get us through this. Then I'm, then I'm set on this, this boomerang path of, I don't want to test God so that doubt won't come into my life. And so I doubt whether or not I should do this. And so it's this huge circle that goes in that doubt is actually a, a weapon that I use to prevent myself from, from doubting God. Yeah. You, you lower it's your expectations crazy. and you say, I'm just going to passively sit by exactly. and take whatever comes at me at life. And I'm going to be happy there because I'm supposed to be happy. I'm not going to test God because he might you, fail me and or what I happens, might fail God. What happens is, though, is sometimes the plan isn't faulty. The plan needs to be tweaked so it works. Right. You go back to where your plan last worked and rework forward where it quit working mm-hmm. to find where it needs to be tweaked. Right. And so that's, that's uh, <laughs> finally says, doubters are easier to find than friends of faith. How many real genuine friends of faith do you have? I mean, people who speak the word of God into your life and fire you up spiritually. That's why I'm so greed for our students who are trying to build a foundation for their life spiritually but they don't have friends of faith. It's absolutely critical that we cherish those people in our lives and develop those relationships because friends of faith are absolutely critical. And that's exactly right. It is so easy to find doubters. It doubt, is. doubt, doubt, doubt. And doubt. I know very, when very I, difficult to find friends of when faith. When I'm really down, yeah. the, the friends of faith is where yeah. I run. Absolutely. So uh, principle five is uh, he says it's a short journey from doubt to despair. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother, on that. And I'm not even sure it's a journey. It is almost a step. It's the, that doubt is the edge of the cliff and despair is over it. And, and we live our lives on the very edge of despair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think what God tells us in Scripture is that that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way that it's supposed to be. This takes a huge, all this entire book takes a huge mind shift. It does. A huge change of their paradigm thinking that that says God wants and has something better for me than it is right now. But I sometimes think we even have that confused. Yes. I think God looks at us and says, hey, you're doing great. Right. And I look at it and I go, I'm a total failure. I screwed this up so bad. Right. But I think God looks at me and says, man, you did it. You did good. Right. Because because most of the time when when we say this, and I'm guilty of it, I'm in the midst of it now, 
is that idea when you look at it and say, surely God has something better for me than, than what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and God looks down and says, you're concentrating too much on the things that you're doing right now. I do want something better for you. I want a better relationship with you. Mm-hmm. I want more more time to talk with you. I want mm-hmm. take care of those things. And, the and this other stuff place. will fall into place. Mm-hmm. Your eyes will be opened and you'll realize that what you think is so bad is not so bad. And what you think is so good really isn't that good. Yeah. And it's so hard to turn. To turn because you're in the midst. You're in the midst of panic. You're in the midst of whatever. And you're saying, where is God? Where is God? And he's, he's jumping up and down, waving his <laughs> arms by, I'm over here. Where are you? And we expect him to run over into our field of vision all the time instead of turning our head and saying, there he is. There he is. I have that problem now because of my brain surgery. My, my peripheral vision is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. But So what I can see, and I can see very well, is what's right in front of me. And if and 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 the metaphor of that is if I don't keep God right in front of me, mm-hmm. I can't see him. So for you, you can have tunnel vision. The rest of us aren't right. supposed to have it. If if he's not right in front of me, I can't see him. Yeah. And that's that daily so, thing. You give in the first part of your day to him to figure out right. where the set the day. And so it's very easy to say, Where are you? Mm-hmm. I can't see you. And so my wife likes to sneak up, but she doesn't even have to sneak up. She knows that if she's standing beside me and I haven't heard her, that I mean, she'll just, re- yeah. And then she'll poke me in the face or, you know, it's right. startling. Yeah. And so, you know, there is that idea that because my vision has tunneled so much, but it's it is on very me. easy to doubt. For us, it's on me. Right. My tunnel vision is what I want, what mm-hmm. I think, and how I feel, not yeah. on what God is. Yeah, that's exact. That's that's what? exactly right. That that it is the idea of none of us see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. That if you could step back and see, I do that with Chris. Christine is a is an avid puzzle putter together. Oh, so she she uh-huh. loves it. And she does the outside. Yes, absolutely. And then she groups all the ones that are colored together. And then she puts them. And sometimes you have this huge outside boundary and this little clump in the middle that's put together. And if you were to look at that clump, you would have no idea what that picture is. And then you look at the box and you say, oh, my gosh dog and it's very much our our lives when we look at it and say I, I can't see the whole picture and that's what happens with me with my tunnel vision I can't see the whole picture and God says I can so when we can't see the whole picture we live our lives with the information that we have right in front of us and that causes doubt and I still say that you've got to have those godly friends to bounce off because they can see things that you can't see because they're not in the midst of it absolutely that's so. that's absolutely right. It's those. He always talks uh, about this. Let's let's talk solution, and he and he gives you these questions, and they're always the same ones. Am I a doubting person? Yes, I am a doubting uh, person. That, I want to meet the person that says no. Yeah, 
This is where the word of God needs to intersect an honest heart. That's great. That's how change happens. That's what he says. But people aren't honest. I think that's a really key word that we need to bring out is the word honest. Right. Right. We lie to ourselves. We try and convince ourselves. We try we lie and pro- to others. We lie to others. We try and protect ourselves from ourselves, mm-hmm. from the truth that exactly. we know. Because that is a ripping down process that it can be very painful. Very. Very painful. Second, am I reaping the consequences in my relationship with God? Well, of course you are. And all of these things, all of these attitudes, these negative attitudes, when I live consistently in an attitude of doubt, I am putting obstacles and blockers, if you want to call them that, blockades in the, in, in the path of me and God. Mm-hmm. And finally, he says, am I willing to repent? And that's always the same thing. It is that idea of, am I willing to stop this doubting? And and here's what I, I, I'll tell you. I, I'll give you an example straight out of my, my life right now, trying to, trying to make this, these radio shows and TV shows work, or YouTube shows work. And it seems like one obstacle falls and another one comes up and, 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 you know, you're trying to say, okay, how do I financially contribute and make this work? And you, you see things go down the tubes and you begin to doubt and you begin to panic. Mm-hmm. And that's about where I'm at right now is the panic mode. And here's what I found out the other day. And it startled me. I was very, de- very depressed. You were last week. Very, you very, were having a hard yeah, time last week. Very, very depressed. And at one point in time, you begin to like it. You begin to say, you know what, this depressed mood, it's a comfortable mood for him. Because what happens is you get to that attitude of, I don't care anymore. I'm going to go take a nap. I don't care. I just don't care. And there is this freeing attitude. And I stopped myself and I thought, oh, my gosh. That's how people don't get out of it. Well, I think that that there is another line there. You can say, I don't care anymore. I'm going to accept God's will and his direction. So you have a choice right at that point (laughs) to say, no, I'm not going there or I'm going to start going another road. Right. And that wasn't mine. That wasn't yours. No, that wasn't mine. And so there was. So what happened to pull you up? What changed the mindset for you to go ahead and jump back in and pick up and go? You know, I don't know that that's. I don't know that I'm there yet. I don't know that I'm actually. <clears throat> Can you identify the small steps because that's what it oh, takes sure. to get to the big steps? Sure. Uh, there, the small steps are actually turning turning around. And and the first thing I concentrated on was that statement of, "Surely, you have something more than this. This can't be." And and I did something that was a little bit different. Normally, I would say, "Surely, this isn't your will." What are you going to do? What that, am I going to do? And that's the, that's what I that was my change was mm-hmm. instead of saying God, what are you going to do about this thing? I changed and I said, okay, if if I know this isn't what 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 have I got to do? God, tell me. Yes, and and that's really the only 
That's the step. That and I, that's where he doesn't mind failure because you say, God, show me. Right. And it's scary. I'm scared to death. I'm scared. I'm in a panic mode. You know, you're, you're panicked. And, and so doubt for me sounds like not so much of God is with me. Is the, in the panic mode, it sounds like this. You better be with me. On this. <laughs> you better be with me on this. You better be with me. Or you, you know, it's that it's that going through the haunted Mine house. Mine is I want to hear. Oh. I want to know oh. that I'm yeah. supposed to do that. Yeah. And so it's it's absolutely terrifying. And um, yeah, and it is a breeding ground for doubt. Mm-hmm. For for doubt, it, almost to the point of where you can't, you have to stop because you can't think clearly anymore, and that's uh, the, Satan loves that. He's like you're well, a mess. That's right, because Satan loves confusion, and God right. does is not the author of confusion. That's right, and so is so yeah. Doubt, I think, is just one of those things. He always ends it with a with a thing that's that's called look up, and it's a prayer that. Uh, um, that he offers and he says lord thank you today that you are a good and a faithful god oh god increase my faith give me this day and this week a greater capacity to trust you to rest in your promise lord help me to see you related to the very circumstances i face might i see how all that comes our way and how we handle it is directly related to our willingness to rest in your promises and walk closely with you. Grant that kind of victory to me. May this day be different because of what I've prayed and acknowledged before you in this moment. And I promise to give you thanks and praise and glory for your care and compassion for my life. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. Amen. And he always... I, I like it because, you know, chapter eight then goes on to we're going to replace this attitude of doubt and we're going to replace it with an attitude of faith. And again, it sounds simplistic, but it's not. And so we encourage you and challenge you to look at your life today and say, what kind of attitude do I have towards God, towards my friends, towards my family? What are the bad attitudes that I can get rid of? And what are the good attitudes that I can replace them with? Again, it's the book James McDonald wrote called Lord, Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. We, want, we, uh, we pray and we hope that you have, and it's always tough to say, uh, that you have a good, good Friday. Yeah. Because this really isn't a good day for us, although in hindsight we know that it is. It it's is. one of those necessary things. We hope that you celebrate wherever you're at, that you have a, a wonderful and a happy uh, Easter um, however you celebrate that, whether it be with friends, family, in, in your church family, we hope that you have a great weekend. We encourage you to join us uh, next Friday at 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here on Becoming Christlike as we continued uh, our book by James McDonald, Lord, Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. So for everybody here at The Road Less Traveled and Becoming Christlike, for Dawn, myself, Jimbo does a fantastic job in the producer's booth. We want to wish you a happy Easter and encourage you each and every day to become more and more Christ-like. God bless. God bless. There are days of taking more than I can give. 
Oh, 